When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Welcome in to Purple Daily Vikings Packers Week. We appreciate you checking out our podcast. You can find it now seven days a week, including Vikings Ventline, which makes its return to the Purple Daily podcast feed in video form when it's live on Sundays. You can find it streaming live on Score North Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. And we will welcome you guys, the fans, into the show. If you'd like to be a part of the show, you just have to email VikingsVentline at gmail.com. And uh, we'll send you... We, we won't be able to welcome everybody in, but send us an email and uh, we'll try to work you into the show either this Sunday or a following Sunday. A quick shout-out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated is here to help business owners in the state of Minnesota, and they've been around for over 100 years. Based in Owatonna, they are one of us, quote-unquote, here in the state of Minnesota, and it just helps tremendously to have the peace of mind that Federated Insurance brings to your business. Go to federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative, and remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. You know, it's a big step for all young players, but uh, he's going to be a big part of our team. It's my job to make sure I've got him comfortable uh, in what he's doing, and uh, I think if I could do that, uh, he's going to play very well for us. So I'm expecting really good things from Justin, but I'm also honest and fair with the fact this is his first time out, and I've got to uh, be aware of that. Welcome in. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff producing, and Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. Vikings reporter, that was Gary Kubiak talking about rookie wide receiver Justin Jefferson uh, off the top here on Purple Daily. But this is, let's start with Courtney. Like We had our first NFL game last night, Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, and like a billion dollars in contracts on the field at the same time. Does it, does it actually feel like the start of the NFL season finally, or is it still yeah. sort of weird? Not really. I don't know. That game was not good. Um, the Texans, Texans are in trouble. That's an 8-8 eight and eight team, if that. And they're probably going to start out 0-4. And, and I think when you look at a guy like Watson, you realize like just how badly Bill O'Brien decimated the roster around him. I can't think of one thing a receiver did last night uh, that shows you that they're a better team without DeAndre Hopkins. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It just, it felt weird. Like the whole 17,000 fans in a stadium, like I know that they're socially distanced and all that, but like the booing during the social justice stuff at the beginning to bring awareness. And it's just like, I don't know. It felt weird to me. I'd almost rather like 
the 17,000 fan, it look, it, it, I think Al Michael said it perfectly. It looks like a, what the score would be if it was like 51, 17 or whatever the score yeah. he used was of <laughs> yeah. like the fourth quarter of a game. Like, you know, it's just not the same, but obviously we're thankful that we got to this point. I think that that's the part to me that's still kind of sinking in, like all these months of uncertainty and all these months of not knowing if we were going to get to this point of like opening weekend, we're finally here. And it's kind of like, you know, a big sigh of relief, I think for everybody who covered the NFL as part of this, we're some teams, the whole gamut. Um, it's, you know, it, it was a tough road to get here. So I'm just hoping that Sunday will be kind of reflective of that. Um, but I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of really crap game just because, you know, it, it, I think it goes to show you guys that preseason is kind of necessary, especially for a team like the Texans that lost its biggest playmaker in the offseason. Like, the Chiefs will be fine. Everybody's going to be catching up to the Chiefs for the next five years. They didn't lose anything except Damian Williams, who opted out for whatever reason. Um, everything else, though, like – the Texans needed the preseason, I think, to be able to like get it together because they looked sloppy the entire night. Outside of that, David, I know that they get, like had a fake late rally, but like outside of that, David Johnson touchdown, there was not one redeeming thing about that team that I saw last night. So uh, I'm glad it's back personally. So I'm not going to complain too much about the style of play and, and the play. But Courtney, when we have mm-hmm. an, an entire training camp and four exhibition games. The first month plus is ordinarily a lot of garbage. So, like, this is just yeah. gonna, this is just going to take time. We're going to see a lot of teams out of sync, and it's no, it's no one's fault per se. But I, I think we all appreciate that sports is back. I think football wise, we're going to also ha- have to appreciate that this is probably going to take a month plus. And the thing that I yeah. think, and and we saw it last night, and the thing, the biggest thing I I think uh, beyond timing of the offenses and, and such is tackling. Because no one's tackled anybody. And the tackling last night from the Texans I thought was absolutely awful. And I think that's probably for the first few weeks going to be the standard. Because there's really no way to replicate tackling besides tackling people. Unless you're doing live drills. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. Like, I mean, the Vikings, that's one thing you're going to have to watch on Sunday um, to know really truly how ready this defense is, but really how much further it has to go. Because you have so many young defensive backs and – you know, Mike Zimmer said the hardest thing is that, like, coming out of college, none of them either want to tackle or none of them are very good at tackling. So, I mean, that's something that you just can't replicate unless you have preseason games because you're not tackling your own guys in practice. It just doesn't work like that. You're not going to try to kill each other out there, kill the other team, like not your own team. And it just doesn't happen that way. So, like you said, Judd, let's think back to last year and what happened with the Vikings in week one. They threw the ball ten times. Yep. It was a weird game, and it wasn't obviously indicative of a team that they were the rest of the season. I'm sure that you could probably infer, hey, this is going to be a team that runs the ball a lot. But week one is different. It's just like you you don't know your identity a lot of times, I think, in week one. And you're still trying to figure it out. First week of first month of football sloppy, just mm-hmm. by and large, always really sloppy. So we should expect that. But I think because there is still so much unknown of how our team's going to react to this, what is this play going to look like? We saw a small sample size of it yesterday, but I'm just kind of, it, it, it's, it's kind of like expecting unexpected. Like who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what wild things could potentially happen on Sunday? It's one thing I definitely am looking forward to because it's like, Hey, it's back. I'm thrilled that we have football. Um, we have full slate of games and a Sunday night game. It should be really good, but it's football. also like, you know, who knows what to expect? 
It may be terrific. It may be garbage. Who knows? So so we on the Vikings front, uh, we made it was, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday. We made our official Vikings record predictions and we did it admittedly before. Like we, we kind of thought, yeah, Daniel Hunter might miss Sunday's game. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out what his status is because the Vikings have to put him on the injury report this week. It'll be great. They have to tell us. Um, and they and they skirted that by just putting him on IR. We'll get to your reporting on this, but we so Declan and I we went through the schedule. Declan and I optimistically had eleven and five records. Judd had nine and seven, and then we all knocked at least a win or two off, assuming that Daniel Hunter misses at least the three games and probably maybe even more because, as you reported, mm-hmm. it sounds like a neck injury. So, what do you know about the injury and and just like the Vikings considered it a tweak for weeks. And now he's not going to play until at least October. So what are you hearing about this? Yeah, I I mean, I reported that it's a neck injury because it is. Um, And I think it's something still, though, that they're not super concerned about. Like what I was told is like he'll go on IR, but it's not like there's – they don't anticipate there being this long period of do we keep him on IR, can we elevate him after the three weeks are up. It's a precautionary thing because if you lose him for the season, you're done. I'm sorry. I don't care if you add Unique and Gakwe, if you, if you have other pieces. You don't. Ha- He's the most important part of that defense. That yeah. is that is a fact. Yeah. So if you lose him for the whole season, you're screwed. Um, so I think this is really a precautionary approach for their part. Um, you know, to be able to put him on IR, keep him there, slow play this even further, because we really don't even know how he got injured. Like, I keep racking my brain from that practice on on August 14th, and I don't know how he got injured. I don't I – can't, I can't think of a certain play because he was, like, mauling dudes. I mean, they weren't even in full pads yet, and I just <laughs> – I remember being like, wow, Daniel looks really good. Looks like he had a good summer. And I, that's just, like, the crazy part to me is, like, we don't know how it happened. And a neck injury is not an ACL. It's not an ankle. It's not your Achilles. It's not, you know, it, it literally affects the rest of your body. Right. Like, so, I mean, I think that that's, it's kind of scary. Like anything's like in you with your head and your neck or your spine, you just want to be really careful with, which is what I think they're doing. Um, we were out there at practice on Thursday and he was running um, and like kind of doing like the arm circles. I'm trying to like, do it myself to show you guys like what he was doing. He's like this. That's what um, that's wax, I think <laughs> that's, that's, that's wax what I on wax off is what that was. But it's me in thir- third yeah. grade gym class. <laughs> do yeah, the rolls. Um, he was going up and down the rehab field, um, doing stuff like that, doing you know some individual stretching, some work like that. We haven't seen him work with like medicine balls or anything that's like a weighted object yet, or we haven't seen him hit a bag, but. So it clearly seems like he's still kind of in the early process of this. But I think the Vikings are just taking a better safe than sorry type approach and going to slow play this. Maybe, you know, obviously they knew the severity of this injury when Unique and Gok was brought here. At least they probably had an idea because, you know, the timing of it is just too... I'd say too coincidental to be like, oh, you're just going to get this other Pro Bowl pass rusher when your other one's about to go on IR. So I think that they're in a good spot, at least having Ngakwe on the other side. But now how is he going to be used? I think you honestly put him wherever the best tackle is and you potentially move him around because we don't know who's going to play right tackle, right? Since uh, Matt LaFleur wouldn't tell us that the other day. So it's, you know... I think that there's ways to mitigate the loss of Hunter, but I don't think you can overcome that, especially in week one when you haven't you know, had a true game together. I know they had a scrimmage, but it's not the same. I've got a Zolgad, Daniil Hunter theory for you, Courtney Cronin. Okay. okay. Is this a conspiracy theory? Sort of, yes. But it's going to make some sense. 
Because what Courtney said makes perfect sense. Like, there was nothing in that practice, almost certainly, where there would have been a violent enough action to cause a real neck problem, okay? But I'm going to tie this into the events of the end of last year and his contract. Because this is what happened with Sidney Rice as well. Now, his contract was different, but but he still, he was trying to get, at that time, I think, a rookie contract in, into his second contract. He got hurt at the end of 2009. And they said, you need surgery. And he's like, uh, not unless I get my contract. And they said, no. Mm-hmm. You think there's any chance that what Danielle had was a pre-existing condition that was suffered at the end of last year? And then I'm going to tie mm-hmm. this back into his contract as well. So to your point, it's weird to me that the Vikings keep saying this is not a big deal, okay? Because they clearly think it's like some type of, and I don't know what, but they're either flat out lying or in their minds, yeah. they're telling themselves the truth. Daniil Hunter has a contract that he signed, so it's his fault, but it's not a good contract. I wonder if this all ties into, and by the way, if he's doing this, I don't blame him one bit. I wonder if this all ties into him saying, listen, guys, I've got a neck problem. I am the 18th highest paid rushing end in the league. I'm probably among the top five. If we're going to, if I'm going to work in the terms of that contract, I'm going to work when I tell you I'm going to work. Because unlike Courtney Dalvin Cook, who has no leverage at all, Daniil Hunter has a lot here. And yes, he's yeah. got a contract, but if I'm him, I'm not messing with a neck problem for one second. And I, I would add real quick that his leverage comes if there is an actual injury, but the severity is not great. Because right. if he doesn't have an injury, he can't, like, you can't just, because... Stefan Diggs skipped practice and got fined, what, $200,000 last year. But if it's yeah. my neck hurts, you're not going to get my fined is, by the team. That would be the only thing that would give credence to the Vikings actually not lying here and in their mind saying, you could probably play soon. And Daniil Hunter wisely saying, not with that contract, I'm not playing soon. Anyway. Good conspiracy. I'm all about it. Um, the contract thing has been on my mind with Hunter for a while. And like when I've checked in on that, I've been told that, no, it's not happening right now. Of course it's on the horizon, but right now, like they're trying to put out the fire with Dalvin cook. And then there was unique in And, you know, it doesn't seem like it's something that's going to happen in the immediate term, but I do like the theory because he is criminally underpaid. Yeah. It's his fault. He was 23 when he took the deal. He probably shouldn't have his agent probably should have been like, oh, we should wait on this. You're going to, you know, eclipse 50 sacks in two years. But you know, I guess he didn't have Zim's crystal ball. Um, nonetheless, like the leverage that Daniil has right now, I think is fairly great because, you know, you, you don't play right now. You don't risk injury, which could potentially hurt your value if you got hurt playing with this neck injury. Um, and, you know, beyond that, maybe you have something worked out by the time you get back. I don't know. This is not a team that typically does deals in season, as we found out. Maybe their hand will be forced to do it here. Um, But either way, like, you know, I don't think the contract thing is completely just, you know, assumption at this point, Judd. I feel like there's got to be some sort of credence to it because sooner or later, the team's going to have to address it. I I love the theory. I mean, it's... If I have a neck problem... If I have a neck problem and I'm as good as he is... And I am not well paid. I am not risking anything for you. Also, like if you start to unpack this, there's a lot of people are probably thinking, "Well, guys, like it's just a neck. Like, why can't it just be that he has a neck injury?" And okay, and let's let's go back and sort of peel back the layers. The Vikings have called it a tweak and have downplayed it for three weeks at this point, right? And so 
the Vikings have always been secretive, and Mike Zimmer is not necessarily going to get up there and like like he'll reveal things, but he's not necessarily going to get up there and be an open book like Mike Tice used to be 15 years ago. So mm-hmm. the question is, were the I Vikings were the Vikings downplaying the injury, knowing that there was more to it that Judd has brought up, or is it an actual neck injury and they've just like wanted to keep it a secret from the Green Bay Packers for three weeks or something? Like, what is the Vikings' motivation? to downplay something that's going to knock him out for at least two months when you account for the beginning of the mispractices? I think it's honestly just competitive advantage and disadvantage of like having information and not having information for teams. I think that that's seriously kind of like where, where it all lies within the bigger picture. Um, coaches, I think any sort of competitive advantage of withholding information from, you know, another team is important. My theory though, is that, you know, it was, it was actually a tweak. He had the injury before, but he tweaked it that day. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it, I, I think it was kind of like a, he re-aggravated something or aggravated something that, you know, was something that it kind of blew up into something bigger. So technically it was a tweak. He's not lying flat out. <laughs> I mean, this is all, this is all like hearsay and my, my brain working, but um, that's, that's where I go with it. Um, but there's just, it's, it's hard to tell. There's just no transparency with it. So you really don't know when it happened. And we have, we've requested Daniil. We have not been able to talk to Daniil. <laughs> now we certainly will not until that first week of October at so, the earliest. So, all right. So final thing on the, on this here, cause this, I mean, really this, this is interesting. And I think you nailed it that if, if this is something that knocks him out for a large portion of the season, the NFC is ridiculously competitive and mm-hmm. you're, you're not just going to be able to like, get away with losing a critical piece of your defense for, let's say, half the season. So if let's say he comes back after three games and that's scenario one and he comes back and it is just a tweak and they were just they were just being cautious and he still plays 13 games versus if he's out for like more than half the year. How do those two scenarios impact what you think of the Vikings chances to make the playoffs, win the division, et cetera, et cetera? Well, I think that, you know, without Daniel Hunter, well, the pass rush was a little suspect this year because they got rid of literally everybody that was next to him that was any good um, with Linville Joseph and Everson Griffin and departing in free agency. Then you bring in Michael Pierce. Well, Michael Pierce opts out, and then you have Daniil Hunter. Okay, Daniil Hunter's hurt. So it's like there's a constant, like, up and down, up and down with the, with the defensive line. You're wondering, okay, like, your edge spots are really important with this defensive line because you haven't – you don't have the three technique that you had with Sheldon Richardson a few years ago. You don't – you know, that's a position that has not been fixed essentially since that time because they haven't had the money to do it. I understand it. But, you know, what this what this brings up, in my opinion, is how do they fix their pass rush if Daniel Hunter is going to be out for a while? Like, do you finally get to utilize that rotation that you've talked so much about? Um, how do you make sure that Ngakwe is going to be able to be effective? Like, you know, so he's not getting all the attention on one side. I mean, I think there's just like so much there that, you know, makes you – you know, I'm not saying that like Daniel Hunter, you know, when you're talking about like wins and losses and like the effect that he has and that, that he's worth a whole win or a loss. But like, I had, I didn't pick them this week. I picked the Packers. I think my score was 24, 21. Um, yeah, that's, I, I did not pick the Vikings this week. I, I didn't just do it because of Daniel Hunter. Um, I think that is a big part of it. Cause it's like, think about it for like, let's think logically. Pass rush comes from one side. What's Rogers going to do? He's going to roll out to the other side and find somebody down the side of that side of the field. Like he's going to roll away from the pressure. The pressure's only coming from one side. Like, and I'm not saying that 
you can't pressure the quarterback with Jalen Holmes or Fadio Denebo or even Eddie Yarborough, but I haven't seen it in a real live game yet. Like, I, I don't know what that's like. So I, I honestly, I have a lot of doubt about that. On top of the fact, when you don't have a stout pass rush, your back end gets exposed. You have a lot of young corners. Like, it's a problem. Um, and, and, and Rogers is smart. I mean, he knows how to pick apart young players. Like, it's a dream for someone like him. So I just don't think, since it all kind of works in conjunction with each other, I just don't think it's going to be a great outcome this Sunday. I'll happily eat my words if I'm wrong. But, like, is this going to be a long-term effect? potentially um it's really gonna i think depend how those corners come up to speed uh and how quickly that can happen in order to kind of mitigate the loss of daniel hunter up front if you're not getting pressure on the quarter the way that you want to they, they had trouble last year i mean look at rogers numbers week two when he wasn't pressured like that's a problem who do you think starts at left defensive end on Sunday? And do you think that this is finally the entree for Zim to decide that Anthony Barr is going to have more of a role in the pass rush game to make up for that left end? Good point. Um, yes and no, because I think that the whole thing with Barr is like, and I've talked with Andre Patterson about this, it's if you're not going to have him be a consistent pass rusher, you know, if he's not doing it all the time, you can't expect him to be like this awesome pass rusher. Because it's just like, it's not what he's asked to do. So yeah, I don't know if his role will change that much. Should it? I felt like it should have changed two years ago when they were toying around with this idea. But what do I know? Um, so like, the way that I look at it is, you probably have a Fadio Denebo starting over there. Mm-hmm. But you're going to take him back away and you're probably going to move him around where you need to. Because he is your best pass rusher. Yes, he's been with his team for literally seven, eight days now. But in that same breath, I think that you put him on the best tackle at all times. Um, you know no matter what that is, the one who's performing the best. It's going to be Bakhtiari, obviously, so he'll start at right defensive end, but I think you move him around. Um, how that ha- how that like is affected, though, beyond this week, because they've got to figure this out for at least two more games after Sunday. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be really tough to see how, you know, until we see how they react on Sunday. I just don't know how that's going to pan, pan out, but – I'd err on the side of it's not going to be good for this defense without yep. your best player. And as has been the rule for like 10 years, ever since the two, the 2010 training camp where uh, the aforementioned Sidney Rice hip gate took place, the Vikings always have to have something bad happen in the 30 days leading up to the season. Teddy Bridgewater's knee, like Sam Bradford after week one. So that's a wrap on this episode of Purple Daily. Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com, Mackie and Jeb with Declan. And uh, again, don't forget Vikings Ventline makes its return on Sunday, video form only on Score North Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. Vikings Packers Week. We'll see you guys next time.